All right, church. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. We're going to be looking today at Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 15. Thanks for letting me have a little extra fun on stage. It's great to be back in Pittsburgh. My family and I went back down to New Orleans uh, to be a part of um, kind of celebrating all that God's done really over the last 13, 14 years since I had the privilege of planning Vintage Church New Orleans out of my living room uh, in 2007, 2008. And it was great to be back home. They threw a big crawfish boil for us and I'm still recovering, I'll be honest. Uh, at our staff meeting this past week, we've done some rearranging of our offices here on campus. Josiah and Josh and Ben and Adam, they're like, let's get some tacos. I was like, I'm fasting. I am fasting. I had way too much seafood uh, this past week. But um, I want to send greetings on behalf of that church family. Uh, we've kind of wrapped up our season of kind of really serving God together as one movement. And that was always the plan is that for our five years, first five years up here in Pittsburgh, they were going to come alongside us to oversee some things, help us get up and going. And uh, now we're going to establish a new partnership with our Vintage Church New Orleans family, loving on that team, those leaders. The pastor of Vintage Church New Orleans was my discipleship pastor for 10 years. His name's Dr. Dustin Turner, and uh, we're looking at some dates to have him, him and Pastor Matt Brichetto, who's my executive pastor for years. It was just great to be back there. Uh, Sweet McCall, she hadn't been back to New Orleans since we moved five years ago. And so we walked down memory lane, had a ton of seafood, but thanks for letting me have a, a weekend. And uh, last week, I know Pastor Ben jumped into Acts chapter 17, and he um, looked at, this was the title of his message, The Power of the Word. The Power of the Word. And I, I loved um, listening to this powerful message. You can find all our resources online. We have podcasts, the whole deal, if you ever miss a week. And he talked about how God's Word is piercing. God's Word is revolutionary for ourselves, our homes, and our communities, and that God's Word has authority. Well, I want to kind of piggyback off of that. Um, everywhere uh, the Apostle Paul goes on his missionary journeys, he proclaims the Word of God, but there's special emphasis upon the Word of God as we find it here in Acts chapter 17. Today, I want to entitle our message, Live the Word. Turn to your neighbor, say, Live the Word. Come on, say it like you mean it. Live the Word. In Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 15, we find Paul shifting from the city of Thessalonica. Thessalonica is kind of like an urban hub, a powerhouse, right, for the Roman Empire. And now, as we read last week, towards the end of the time, uh, Paul and his buddies have to run for their lives. Well, I kind of like this week because Paul and his team, they run to kind of a smaller country town. It's called Berea. And we're going to find that they're going into Berea. I love retreating. I love going out into the woods, hanging out in small towns and just slowing down a little bit in life. Anybody love less traffic in their lives? I know I do. And it's one of the things I love about Western PA, right? We're here in Pittsburgh and we're in such an urban center, but within like 20 minutes, man, you're in the country. And this beautiful rolling hills. And man, I just love that about Pennsylvania. I just wish the weather would cooperate so I could do some more fly fishing right now. Um, but um, we find Paul and his team going to Berea. Now, let me set up this text because we're going to look at Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 15 together. 
Um, going back to New Orleans um, was really great for me and my family because I was able to reconnect with some of the things that, I'll be honest, I had forgotten. Um, reconnected with the first love in my life of why I planted a church. I didn't plant a church because somebody put a job posting and said, would you come be our pastor? Um, at the core, Annabeth and I ended up planting a church years ago because we led one of her coworkers to the Lord in that city and we started a Bible study in our home. And so it just reconnected me to some of the things that God was stirring within my heart as we continue to serve King Jesus together here in Pittsburgh. And going back there, um, it is kind of interesting. As I got up to preach this past Sunday, I got up and clearly, I mean, 70% of that congregation has no clue who I am, right? In fact, Pastor Dustin, while he was introducing me and we had a time of prayer together, he was like, who was there during the launch of Vintage Church in 2007? And like three hands went up, right? And, and so, you know, it's kind of humbling. I've, I've been begging for them to build me a statue out front so that I'll never forget me, you know, and make sure it's real skinny looking. Uh, I've put on some weight since back then. But uh, nonetheless, um, it's pretty cool to see how I might be forgotten in that city, but Jesus isn't. And, and the things that we were working on together, which was a straight up hot mess, I've shared with you. In, in New Orleans, guys, over the span of about um, eight years, our church moved 13 different locations. 13 different locations. I mean, as we drove our kids around the city, we were like, Vintage met there, Vintage met there, we met there, you know? And, and it was kind of crazy. And as I reflected on our time there, I'm telling you, we're at, a, we're at a time in the world today. And, and I hope, I'm not saying this like in a false, humble way or to draw attention. I hope you pray for pastors today, for church leaders today. Like we're in a very unique season of life and ministry in regards to people's worldviews, convictions, opinions, pressures, the, the reality of people's commitment levels, like, it's just an interesting season. And I have a lot of young pastors. I know I'm still kind of young. I'm just turned 42, but I have younger pastors than me come to me all the time and ask me, Rob, what should I be doing right now? What's the most important thing? And man, I'm just letting you know, there have been so many things that I've done in ministry that have failed miserably. I mean, strategies. Our journey here in Pittsburgh has been wild. COVID didn't help. But we've had a bunch of things change and a bunch of different places that we've met and uh, different times and seasons. We've launched things and we've had to step back. And, and I'm telling you, as I reflect on at least one thing that I've never stopped doing as I've led a church in New Orleans for 10 to 12 years and as I've had the privilege of leading this church for a few years, can I tell you one thing that I beg of every future leader of the church to keep doing, we have preached the Bible. God's word will not ever return void. And we met a lot of different locations in New Orleans, but we preached the same word. We've done a lot of different things in the city of Pittsburgh, but we've preached the same word. Guys, we are in the middle of what I like to call anarchy. All right, if I can summarize what's happened over the last few decades, 
Let's talk about the church being affected by what's happening in culture. There was modernism. Modernism, this is around the time of Billy Graham and in my tribe, Baptist, Baptist churches, they all looked the same. They all sounded the same. They all wore the same things. We gotta be careful. New school, we're starting to do the same thing. But in regards to modernism, there was this rule. There was a box. There was one box on how you did whatever, right? Then entered postmodernism. Postmodernism gave permission to leave the box and to create your own box, right? And so you start to see in the church world, hey, we don't have to sing hymns, we can sing choruses. You had men like Rick Warren no longer preaching a suit, but a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops. How dare he? And so you start to see a, a new school form of casualness come into the church, and some people are like, how dare you? Because God came down with hymns and choruses and robes and these and thous and all this kind of stuff. That had to have been the glory days, right? There's no glory days. There's God's glory. But postmodernism started to give people permission to create their own box. And guys, what's ended up happening with that? in terms of everybody's philosophy, which is the empowerment of the internet, the empowerment of social media, is no longer do we have to find someone who's created their own box and hitch a trailer to that, I can have my own box. This is called universalism. And universalism says what's good for me is good for me. What's good for you is good for you. I can identify, I can declare, I can proclaim anything that I want, and you better be okay with it. Do you know what the next step past universalism is? Where there's no more rules, there's no more playbook, there's no more guideline, it's called anarchy. How many of y'all feel like we're on the brink of anarchy? I believe, I believe, Paul was facing something very similar. And I believe that although some of us, even as I recap from modernism, postmodernism, universalism, anarchy, whatever else, some people might say, oh, snap, man, this is gonna be crazy. I believe there's never been a greater time, at least in our century, for us to be proclaiming the infallible, absolute truth of God's word. I believe even the most intense skeptic out there who's wanting to be tolerant of everything and everyone, that person is a little sick and tired of everybody's opinions and is craving, craving a standard, craving truth, craving order, craving a box. Let's look at the word of God here because I pray that today we would be like the Bereans who loved the word of God and who lived the word of God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 15, it says this. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Why? Well, they're not just cruising at this point. They're running for their lives. Dudes in Thessalonica were ticked that they had proclaimed the word of God, right? And that many revivals started to come to Thessalonica, and so they're after Paul. So they're running for their lives. 
And so the brothers immediately sent them away by night, snuck them out. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now we see, right, the apostle Paul at different points. Remember in Philippi, there was no Jewish presence there. There was no synagogue. So the apostle Paul went and found the God-fearers who were praying alongside the river, right? Remember Lydia? And that's how he started. Well, here in Berea, there's an established synagogue. And so Paul goes to the synagogue. I gotta keep reading. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Check out their posture. They received the word with all eagerness. Everybody say eagerness. Examining the scriptures daily. They didn't just listen to the word of God once a week when Pastor Rob was preaching. No, they had eagerness, they were leaning in, and then they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I love that. I, I, I don't find this disrespectful at all. Whatever I'm preaching, dive in and examine. Take it to the Lord, study. That's the point of our V groups that you would flesh this out together, right? They're not just wanting to be hearers of the word. They want to be doers of the word. So they're examining the scriptures, diving deep into it. In verse 12, it says, many of them therefore believed, amen? We, we see some of these Jews, right? God fears who go into the word, now be transformed by the word. The word promises to do that. That's why we preach the word. You don't preach the word of Rob. You preach the word of God. Because God's word transforms hearts. And so many of them believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So it's starting to spread, starting to grow. The church there in Berea. But when the Jews, they just couldn't, you know, leave them alone. These aren't the Jews that were in Berea. These were the morons that they just left from Thessalonica. And they knew how much of a threat it was to religion and to the things that they were about. And so the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was being proclaimed by Paul at Berea also. They came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds. <laughs> Anytime I really get bothered, you know, about preaching and the hard times that we live in, I'm like, Rob, just suck it up. You're such a sissy. I mean, here's Paul and his team. They're preaching the word and these Jews come and they're like agitating. Like as soon as someone, you know, left the building, they're out there saying what he said is false. There could be somebody out there today, I don't know. But most of you guys are only going to have to go and process amongst yourselves what the word of God said to you today. There's not gonna be a direct attack against you, but here's what I will tell you. Because of, I left my phone over there, technology, I believe a lot of you guys most likely are gonna pick up your phone the moment you leave here. And most of what you guys are finding right now on your phone is attacking the word of God. 
And so here they're agitating, stirring up, but I love this, verse 14, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But his boys, Silas and Timothy, I think it's great, remain there. It's a team effort. Paul's taking some licks at this time. He's already had some battles. He's like, Silas, Timothy, I'm gonna let y'all get whooped for this one. I'm gonna keep pressing on. Next week, Athens. Athens is one of my favorite places that Paul goes to. And it says, those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Don't you love that? As soon as possible, we out, right? These people be crazy, right? Thessalonians, right? Won't leave us alone. Let's get on a ship and get out of here. All right, let's answer a couple questions here. The first question is this, why should we live the word? Why should we live the word? Let me share a few things here. You're gonna process this in your V groups this week. Number one, it's because the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible claims to be God's own inspired and infallible word of God, written by human authors under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so it is a unique and authoritative source of spiritual truth and guidance. I'm gonna give you some scriptures to look and see that point confirmed in your V groups. Number two, the Bible reveals God and his plan. So the Bible is the word of God, but the Bible also reveals God, every essence and who he is, God's character and his plan. It's important. Through stories, teachings, prophecies contained in God's word, we come to know who God is and what he desires for us. Anyone know of anyone in the world today that's looking for God and also trying to figure out what they were created for? The Bible is your answer. It speaks to who God is and who we are and what he desires for us. The Bible reveals God's love, grace, justice, mercy, and points us to his plan. Number three, the Bible leads us to salvation. Hopefully, as someone, much like the Bereans did, they eagerly, right, went into the scriptures, they started to study the scriptures, examine the scriptures, and God's spirit touched their hearts, changed their lives, and brought them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. This word, this Bible points us to Jesus and we believe at Vintage Church, if you're a first time guest with us, Jesus is the only way, the only truth and the only life. No one comes to the Father except through him. See, through the message of the gospel, we learn how to receive forgiveness of sins, eternal life and a restored relationship with God. That is found in God's word. Next, the Bible shows us how to live. Doesn't just show us how to get saved. And then says, good luck. No, it actually shows us how to live, to be doers of the word. The Bible teaches us about practical guidance for how to live godly lives, including moral principles, wise counsel, examples to follow. We're gonna look at some scriptures this week. 
then I love this because anybody want to testify that it's hard to live for Jesus in this world? The Bible is a source of comfort and hope. The Bible is a source of comfort and hope. Because this life is not our own, because this world is not our home, because we get beat up, we've got to be in the word. We've got to stay in the word because God's word is a source of comfort and hope in times of struggle, pain, uncertainty. The Bible gives us comfort and hope and reminds us not that we are faithful, but that God is faithful. And his love, his power, his promises, his assurance that are found in God's word will carry us to finish our race well. Here's one scripture that speaks to the why. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Apostle Paul just preached the word, right? In Berea, we've seen people get saved. That's what he thinks through the power of the Holy Spirit about the word. God's word says a lot about itself. It says this, all scripture. Everybody say all. All, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, a lot of Christians just stop at verse 16. That's the reason for the Bible. I'm supposed to study it and learn it so that I can just grow and become more holy and have my holy huddle and be all about myself. No. I didn't just entitle my message today, love the word. No, I said live the word. The purpose for God's word is not for you to get warm fuzzies. The purpose of God's word, verse 17, is this, that the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good what? Work. Everybody say do work. Right? Work. Live the word. Live the word. Well, if we are called to live the word, if God desires for us to live his word, how do we live the word? I wanna give you three simple things. So what we're gonna do at V Group this week is we're gonna break down these things about the word of God and have some time in scripture. And then I'm gonna give you two different texts this week in our V Groups to practice what we're gonna talk about here. The first thing we must do is we must observe. <laughs> if you're gonna live the word, it might be a good idea for you to not just use this as a pillow, right? Or to put it out to impress mama when she comes over to visit. Like, no, you want to open up God's word, observe it, right? What, what did the Bereans do? They examined with eagerness. So we want to observe. So what does the text mean to the original audience? We want to read the text. We want to look at the sentences and the paragraphs and the stories. We want to ask questions. What's the point of this text? We want to take notes. We want to take notes. All right, I'm not saying this like to like, oh man, Pastor Rob's always making us feel terrible at church. I do hope that we would start to see a movement of people taking notes during sermons. Because guys, I'm telling you, this moment is not for this moment. It's for Tuesday when work is terrible. 
Like, let's not just consume here. Right? Let's absorb here. Let's observe here with the purpose of living this out. Right? Let me know if I can buy you a journal. Number two, interpret. We don't want to just observe. We want to interpret. We want to start to ask the Lord, what did you mean by this, Lord? What are you doing with this? What, what, what? is the exact translation here? What was the context? And, and guys, there's so many resources today that are available for you, but we'll maybe recommend some of those. But we're basically saying, what's the difference between the biblical audience and context and us? We're considering context. The context of Paul, right, with the Bereans, but our context. What... what is the historical cultural context. What is the literary context, the genre of the text, the surrounding context? What are the word studies in this? What are some important words in this passage, the correlation, where else in the Bible? I want you to know, here's what's really cool. Do you know that God's word never contradicts itself? The things that we're reading in Acts here right now will make sense in Exodus. And so we see all the things, God's beautiful meta-narrative of his great story, of his glory. What's the theological principle that I want to get from today? Number three, though, we apply. We don't just read and observe, right? We don't just interpret. Ooh, I got some big eology words, and now I'm going to be all smart. No, I want to live it out. I don't want to just be a theorist. I don't want just knowledge, right? Faith without works is dead. So I want this to transform my life and call me out to do the very things that God's called me to. So I want to observe how the principles address that audience. And I want to discover a parallel situation, maybe in my own life or what's going on in the world to say, hmm, maybe if the Bereans with all eagerness examine the word, maybe the Vintageans should with eagerness examine the word. Y'all with me? So here's a great question as to our text. When was the last time I was eager for the word? Or are we eager for our newsfeed? I love the vulnerability of it. But Josiah, as we met with our worship team, we power pray here before we get up on stage because we refuse to get up here and lead you guys without asking for the Lord to cover us. And Josiah gave us a brief word and he was like, guys, this whole weekend, I drove Phoebe crazy because I watched the NFL draft the entire weekend. And Phoebe's like, I know, what did I marry? (laughs) And Phoebe's like talking about all the draft picks now that she knows from the Green Bay Packers. And we can all feel sorry for them now because they're the Green Bay Packers. But Phoebe was acting like she cares. I said, you are newlyweds. Annabeth used to care too. (laughs) Now she's like watching on TV. Like, where is that at? I said, it's Kansas City, babe. It's called the draft. Wait, that many people gathered And there's not even a game, right? And that's her attitude now. But like Josiah admitted, I've spent all weekend leaning into the NFL draft. When was the last time I leaned into God like that? Leaned into his word. 
Y'all with me? This is what we do. This text in Acts draws us to consider some things. Can I share a few things with us as we close? I want to encourage us to be like the Bereans. To be like the Bereans. If God spoke to me about anything this week, it was that. Because there's too much of my life where I'm leaning in and I'm not like the Bereans. What does it mean to be like the Bereans in this text? There's three very simple things. Number one, be willing to listen. Be willing to listen. Had a little word with my almost 15-year-old on the front row here about that yesterday in the car. Hey, buddy, I know it's shocking. You don't know everything in this world. Might be a good idea to listen more at this season of life. I think you're brilliant, you're good looking, but you don't know everything, <laughs> right? Be willing to listen, be, be truthful, guys. What, what in your life right now prevents you from listening to the word of God? Can I sadly share with you what probably is a lot of your conclusions here? Because I know it's been true of my life. I think I know everything. It's my pride. Man, these Bereans were Jews. They, they'd been brought up under teaching. They'd memorized the Torah. I mean, the whole thing, but... There was something about their eagerness, wasn't there? Like maybe they had discovered that, hey, this religion has only taken us so far. There's got to be something more. How many of y'all through moments of crisis have found yourself more eager to listen? All right, let's get desperate for the Lord. Like I can't afford to wake up in the morning and go to work because I know I have no ability to be faithful to what God's called me to in that work. So Lord, you've got to, through my observing, through my interpretation, through my application, you've got to equip me, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, for every good work. Not Roll out of bed, check my Facebook status, see how many people liked me on Instagram, throw down my coffee. I got this, God. Watch me work for you today. How's that going for you? No, God, I desperately need you. I long to listen. The Bereans received the word with all readiness, with eagerness, indicating a willingness to listen to God's message. Through Paul. But let's not just be willing to listen. How about this? How many of y'all feel like sometimes you might listen, but you're not learning? Let's be eager to learn. <laughs> so here's a good practice before you open up God's word in the morning. Yes, Lord, yes. Not, well, I went to seminary and this thing taught me that you're actually wrong here, Paul. You're going about the gospel wrong. No, like, no, yes, Lord, yes. Whatever it is, I surrender, Lord. I know I'm not perfect. 
I know I need to still grow. So I ask for this word, like a double-edged sword, to transform, shape, and mold me. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to experience. I want to become more like you. See, the Bereans, they were eager to learn. How do we know this? They didn't just come to a Sunday worship service, listen to Paul, and then forget about the Bible. It says that the Bereans examined the scriptures what? Daily. Daily. Craving it, longing for it, nourishing from it, being impacted by it. Be eager to learn. And we close with this. Be resolved to live. Be resolved to live. The Bereans were praised for their noble character. How is this possible? They listened to the word. They learned the word. They lived the word. What does character mean? It's not just talk, it's walk. <laughs> I hope you guys want to walk. I walk it out, I walk it out, I walk it out. I hope you guys want it. I'm so sick and tired most of my life of playing church, of robotically going through my Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, small group. I, I want to be transformed by it. I want to live it. What have we been preaching throughout the book of Acts? We don't want to just preach this. We don't want to just read this. We want to live the book of Acts. I've regretted that some weeks. I'm like, ah, uh, it's kind of what we've been praying for for the last year and a half. And we've been experiencing a lot of Acts. A lot of Acts. Remember, why is Paul in Berea? Running for his life. It doesn't always go easy. But man, the point is to live this out. The point is what we read earlier. All scripture breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be equipped, complete for every good work. So in just a few moments, I'm gonna invite us to stand and I'm gonna read a text in the book of Psalms, if you want to write down this, it's not on the notes behind me, Psalms 119. If you need any sort of like um, proof that God's word is awesome, go read Psalm 119. Now it's a long chapter in God's word. You'll be there for three days. And it's basically God's word talking about the importance of God's word. And just soak in it. Because maybe there's one or two of you here that you're like, nah, I don't know if God's word's important. Well, forget the word of Rob here. Go to the word of God. And let this living and active word of God begin to do what God's word did to the Bereans. As they with eagerness began to examine the scriptures, they believed every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus loves you so much. Do you believe? Do you believe? 
Jesus loves you. He died for you. Much like we're learning from this text, the Bereans, right? Leaned into the word. They listened. They examined, right? They learned. They were also transformed. It says they believed. And I believe that what Jesus Christ did for the Bereans, he can do the same for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you right now in this moment to trust in Jesus Christ for the first time in your life. If you'd say that's me, Pastor Rob, I surrender my life to Jesus. Right now in this moment, lift up your hand. Anybody here in the house? Give your life to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we trust you. We know that your word will not return void. And so if there is one or two here today that are still just praying and seeking you, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would lead them to you. By your grace, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.